this podcast is for adults only, should not be used as a meal replacement, and may contain nuts. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Newbie and the Doobie. My name is Timmy. I am the newbie. Mary Jane, I am the doobie. We're very excited today to have with us on the spot, Jeremy Smith. From Les Manchis. I love the French accent. Anytime I get a chance to use the accent, I try my best. Did I nail either of those properly? Oh, you, you banged it on very, very perfectly. Love it. Nice. I think the moment I was told that I didn't have to take French, so I took French in grade nine. And when I found out from my, my guidance counselor the next, the next year that it wasn't required, I abandoned French like that. I was out. And uh, I kind of regret, like, the only phrase I know now is, uh, uh, Jeremy, uh, parlez-vous bonjour chien? Oh, really? Do I talk good dog? Yeah. That's that's kind of my the extent of my uh my French. So MJ does a little bit better than me. Well, I've always I've always wondered my name in French, would it be Marianne? Because the J might be It'd silent. Be silent. It'd be, uh, be more silent. Would I be Marianne? Mar- Marianne. Marianne. Either way, it's beautiful. Bacher. Bacher. So, so Jeremy, I, I mean, I would not have known you were French. Um, Jeremy Smith sounds like the most English name out there. Uh, but but you have like a, a John Smith, almost. like a John, yeah, 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 one step above John Smith. Yeah. Uh, born born where? French background, well, first born generation. Here. Yeah, I'm born here, uh, second generation. My grandma and grandpa uh, were German and French during the war. They were Schmidt, so actually German. And then they okay. had an H and came here just to blend in with that H to the Smith, right? So, gotcha, okay. <laughs> nice. So, so can you speak French right now then? Uh, I can, but it, like I said, it's been many, many, many years. I understand it better than I speak it now. I pretty much lost my accent, and uh, but that, that's okay. I still understand it. Comes in that's, handy when I was managing bars, that's for sure. Because we got a lot it's of truck drivers come through Woodstock. And, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. It's always e- it's always better though for myself, who has no French background, to throw out a French phrase and butcher it than it is for somebody who is a generational uh, has a generational French background. And so I can understand why you wouldn't want to try it now because that gets risky. That would no, be like yeah. me <laughs> speak Italian, right? Can no. you speak Italian? No. Oh, I can. they they call me a manji cake. A munchie oh, cake, yeah. that sounds like munchies. <laughs> it does, but it's not a good, it's not a term of endearment. Uh, my wife is uh, uh, Cambodian, so I'm trying to learn Cambodian words at the same time. And okay. I, because my French accent, when I put it into the certain syllables, it sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. And I've said some pretty inappropriate things to people that don't speak English, and I didn't realize it. <laughs> so it's it's fun. It's fun, though. Like, I'm trying. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to learn. <laughs> nice. so, but it's now, uh, awesome. Le Manchis is a restaurant, correct? Yeah, I will be opening up as a restaurant, yes. Okay, and is, is Manchis French for something, or is it literally just Munchies? Munchies. Yeah, you got to get the, the high, the Munchies from being high, but you're also eating, so it's Munchies. So it's a play on double, you know, double word of Munchies. So, so, so tell us then, uh, when we're, we're going to jump kind of where, what you're doing right now briefly before we go a deep dive back. That's where MJ really loves to go. Um, but just to see where people can see where this journey is taking us. You're, are you a restaurateur or a chef? What, what exactly do you do? What is Les Munchies? 
So right now I work in a hospital and I was managing bars for security. So I've, okay. I've worked in the, the food industry for over 12 years, about okay. 13, 14 years. I've worked as a uh, sous chef. I worked as a line prep. Um, you know, I've always worked in kitchens. Um, then I geared away. Um, I stopped smoking cannabis and I went back to college, took police foundations. Um, and then after health issues, I started coming back to lovely cannabis. <laughs> but, so that's why I'm looking at opening up a restaurant because I want to be able to help uh, people like myself who have um, uh, medical issues and so on and so on. So that's why it's uh, coming up as late munchies. Cool. Well, I can tell already um, when we take the deep dive backwards now, like somebody who smoked foundations and then got rid of it and then came back uh, is no, no, even more. Do you miss the whole police foundation? Oh, I didn't miss it. I heard it. (laughs) Foundations and then came back. Yeah. That's even more like, see, I can believe the police foundations thing more than I can the French though. Cause like, you look like you would have that's, been. In that's the mindset. That's the mindset of a doobie versus a newbie. She's yeah. like, he said police. I'm like, he said police. What? He was going to be a cop. And then no, he went and I'm back just like, okay, yeah, yeah. What? Was this no. pre legalization? Or I'm like, I have so many. This questions. is pre. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, they, um, um, everyone in my family, not everyone, most people in my family are police officers. So they're OPP, RCMP, mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, I weighed 120 pounds at 23. So I decided to join a gym. Um, I got up to 240 pounds in about 10 years, eating 8,000, 10,000 cows a day. I worked out 16 hours a week, and I just grinded hard to put on weight. Um, I then went to police foundations, graduated, um, started doing security management, bar security, trying to get like into the groove. But pretty much every time I applied for policing, it was, sorry, we're looking for white males over 35, or we're looking for you know different nationalities or so on and so on. Even though that I kept placing top seven or, or something like that, I just wouldn't get it just because I don't fit what they're looking for. So I ended up working at a uh, St. Joe's Hospital here in London, Ontario, uh, just doing cleaning and bio, biohazard disposals and waxing and driving the Zamboni around and doing all the fun stuff, right? And then on the weekends, I would go and manage bars. So it was some pretty fun times where I'd see people leave the bar, go to work on the, the next day, and I'd see them in the hospital. And I'd be like, what happened to you? You left the bar fine. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and they would like broken arm or I ran down the train track and fell or, or something, right? So it was, a, it was a pretty interesting career path. But yeah. uh, now because of my health, I'm not working. And I decided to do this instead. Fantastic. Well, let's go back, MJ. Put out, put out your favorite question in the entire universe. I'm oh, sorry, I was Here's having, Jeremy. I was having a flashback because I used to also ride the, um, the the floor burnisher, the carpet, carpet oh, yeah. extract that because yeah, I used yeah. to work at Durham College as a cleaner okay. doing the same thing, and I just had a flashback because I used to clean the police foundations. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I remember going down there, and I just want to say they were the filthiest, filthiest. <laughs> out of all of the college like there's a reason why they nicknamed them pigs and now it's, i yeah. know that. it's because they're messy they're messy everything is oh we have housekeepers that's what they're yeah. for and just that that's it <laughs> yeah but but like i remember because i would go and smoke a joint on my lunch and then i would go down police foundations with my little like cart my cleaning cart and i'd go in as quickly as i could and so yeah sorry i was having a flashback there <laughs> um that was going way back so let's go back to your way back when was the very first experience like okay you don't have to date yourself you don't have to say like how how old you were but um 
was it a pleasant experience? Was it my, my first time ever? Yeah, um, first my time. first time too. ever. Uh, I would have been fifteen. We're talking um, cannabis, just so you know. Pardon me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the double question answer right there. Fifteen. <laughs> 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 the the year you just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, so fifteen. Um, actually, a couple of my my buddies from uh, Jamaica they introduced me to it, and uh, it was some good stuff. <laughs> uh, from there, it, it just took off. I smoked for years. Um, ended up kind of getting kicked out of home when I was seventeen for partying too much and being the typical rebellious one. Um, from there, I just kept working and two three jobs a day every day plus partying afterwards. Just typical seventeen year old, you know, living on his own. So it was a great experience. Great experience. But when you were introduced to it, did it come as a, a shock? Like it was something that you, did you know much about it? Was it just kind of like, you know, you're standing there and this foreign thing is handed to you and you're just like, all right, I'll smoke that, I guess. Other, like, or did you have some sort of idea? Anybody in your life used it? Like, what was your, what was your understanding of it that first time? Not in my family, because my family is mostly pleasing. So for me, it was always all oh, the gateway drug, the, the, you know, the bad thing. It's going to, you're just going to be homeless. You're not going to go anywhere in life and right. stuff like that. Right. So I stayed away from it. Uh, my mom remarried. We came into London. Um, my life kind of got flipped upside down and I just was rebellious 15 year old. Right. So, mm. um, but no, it was great. Great first experience comparing it to alcohol. I liked it more. Uh, you didn't get hung over. I could function at school the next day, still do sports, uh, and so on. Right. So for me, it was much better. Uh, choice in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Did your police family uh, eventually um, accept the use, even pre-legalization? No, I mean, no, I, I under- want to know what did they do when they well, found well, out. My question is still uh, valid. No, no, yours is after. <laughs> your, yours yeah, actually was- comes after in timeline. So I want to well, know what, what did your family do when they found out? Timelines. Did they ground you? Did they like oh, try I to put you grounded? I had the ultimatum either quit smoking or, you know, move out of home or, or whatever. Honestly, I kind of wish my parents beat, beat my butt and kept me in school and lived at home and saved some money, but whatever it is, what it is. And, uh, but yeah, no, it was more of a, I had an intervention. My family got together, did the whole yearbook out saying this person smoked cannabis and now they're a bomb. This person, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So they did the whole intervention with me. And, um, from there I was like, you know what? I'm out, left my home. Uh, moved out and uh, did you use some cannabis? <laughs> so why you can ask? Well, questions. no, now this is open. Now we're down, down, down. We're down a different. This is called the <laughs> multiverse. Down, okay, now you've opened yeah, up a whole now, perfect first door. What? Um, why didn't the intervention work? Why didn't those mm-hmm. personal stories of people who had tried it and failed in life? Why didn't they work on uh, you? For me, seeing the amount of people I knew growing up in London. A lot of them are bricklayers, construction workers, doctors. They, they all smoke. So they were only focusing on the people that weren't going somewhere and not focusing on all the people that were super successful, uh, had their own businesses and so on, right? So I was like, no, no, no. There's two sides to this coin and we just flipped on the wrong one. So it's uh, I kind of looked into it myself and I was like, nope, there's more medical um, research on this. There's more. So young kid still said no <laughs> i was like not not doing the narrative thing so okay. well that, what happens is especially with firsthand experiences like you can hear about this demonized thing and then when you experience it firsthand and you're like that wasn't anything like what they said it was going to be and and it 
I feel okay. Like you're saying, I can function. I can still, you know, play sports and whatever. So, you know, it, it's what's the saying? The proof is in the pudding. Yeah, <laughs> and the pudding's good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, so, from there, those are good. So the so okay, so now the multiverse swings back around and fast forward to today. Uh, at what point did did the policing family start to go? Wait a minute. Uh, Jeremy isn't, um, you know, the couch potato. Uh, he's got drive. He's got energy. He's physically healthy. Um, when when did they start to accept that? Or maybe, quite frankly, maybe they still don't. Uh, most of them do accept it now uh, because it's legalized one, and now there's more, you know, knowledge to it. There's uh, more people are talking about it more, and that's why I'm also here. I want to talk about it more. Um, there's more education involved. There's more um, normality to it, I guess. Um, even some of them that I know in my family do use it, <laughs> um, because of their conditions as well. Right. So, yeah. uh, they had bad side effects to opioids just like I did. Um, and now they use cannabis. And I was like, Oh, the it, full circle. I was like, don't use it. You're going to be drop out. You're going to be, then it's obviously going to have to. <laughs> so what do you think was the biggest hindrance though, to them as a policing family? Was it the fact that it was illegal or was it because, you know, there wasn't enough proof in the pudding per se or 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 was it like kind of like when it was illegal and we're cops so we're against it yeah well even my my brother before he was a cop he was fully against it he didn't like it um okay you know so a lot of people just didn't like it in my family um like even my mom she said she tried it once but it was such a bad experience and she never done right. it right so kind of something like that but uh, that's what we need to change too is that first people's experience what to do not to do how mm -hmm. much to take and and so on. So you don't wreck that first experience. So they do come back. Right. Yeah. Well, it's nice if you also have a friend that is experienced, like a, a guide, so to speak, to, to teach you about, you know, THC dosing and terpenes and methods of consumption and all the things that we've touched on over, over 38 episodes oh. of podcasts. <laughs> so no, it was, uh, it was great. Like it was, uh, it was nice to see a lot of them coming around. I remember when uh, my house flooded last year. So um, we were living in hotels and then all this kind of stuff for 13 weeks and living off families' houses and stuff. Um, I remember going over to my parents and I found a THC bath bomb. And I was like, what is this? I was like, what happened to, you know, this is such a bad thing, right? And, and uh, I was like, people come around now that they know more about it and it's not such a bad thing. So. Yeah, well, I mean, the stigma that, that we've lived with for all this time is literally, if you smoke a joint, and that is the only way you can have yeah. weed or cannabis, this is what they're told, is is they're going to be in this mind-altered state that could possibly make them kill or rob or yeah. hurt somebody. And I mean, that's not the reality of it no. at all. And talk about different forms of consumption, your, your parents have a topical something yeah. that's going to help them with their muscles or even just their skin whatever whatever it is that they're using it for um we definitely we need to educate people and teach them that there's more than just what we've seen in you know tvs and movies for the yeah. last 50 years they're not going to do crack the next day <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a big thing you know you're not going to touch crack the next day i promise you <laughs> we try cannabis but unless unless that's on your bucket list you know cannabis today yeah crack tomorrow unless that i mean well, we could go through the alphabet yeah what's b 
Um, I don't what? even know. <laughs> all the bad drugs like start it. with C. They all start with C. <laughs> so when did you start then? Um, okay, so actually, before we even get to that, you you stopped using it. Yes. And let's go there. Why did you stop? You were having you 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 were believed in it enough to walk away from your home at a young age, um, go out on your own to sit there and say, look, if it's if it's this or this, I'm leaving. But then you ended up giving it up. So what what was that? What caused that to happen? So I just I was at the point, 23 years old. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of working 80, 90 hours a week, three jobs. I was like, I need a career or something. I just get rid of all these two, three jobs and all this other stuff. Um, I want a career. Uh, my family lives pretty nice lives with their careers. They have pensions. They have, I'm like, I can't do that as policing. And I really, really wanted to get into, um, I, I want to say, it's a hard, hard, hard way to say it, but I wanted to get more into the investigating side of it. I wanted to look into solving cases for death and murder and, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I was really intrigued by that. So I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I need to go to police foundations, be a police officer for 10 years, be a police officer, you can't smoke cannabis. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. By the time I go back to school, join the gym, put on some weight because 120 pound officer is not scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, um, went back to school, I'll be big enough, fit enough, experienced enough to actually get into policing. Um, okay. So that's why I quit for about uh, seven, eight years. I stopped smoking. Um, and I just, I didn't really drink because after managing a bar, really turned off by alcohol. Um, the amount of times I've been puked on, pooped on, spit on, kicked, you know, you name it. I've had it done. I've been stabbed. If I've done pulled on, like, that's legal though. Hey, that, that's, that, that, that's actually encouraged. So, but uh, yeah, I've had all that done. I've had teeth knocked out, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, from there, I was like, you know what? No alcohol. I drink maybe once, twice a year. That's it. And I just don't care for it. Um, and then after um, college and after doing the bar security, um, I joined, or sorry, I started volunteering at um, St. Joe's Hospital. And then eventually I went in, got a job, started working there uh, full-time, but I didn't want to give up on the security. So I mm -hmm. kept doing security bar management on weekends on, on top of that. Okay. So I was working those 60, 70-hour work weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you found out you you weren't going to be a cop, and then you're like, well, if I'm not going to be a cop, I'm going to start smoking cannabis again. Is that how it No, works? it's actually a lot more uh, not as fun as that. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. Um, so for over, over a decade, I've been having health issues, going to doctors, going to specialists and they're all like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Go home, go home, go home. Mm -hmm. I finally spoke to, uh, someone at the gym and he's like, you know what? I've read this book, ask about this, ask about this. Turned out I had testosterone deficiency and that's why I'd eat so much food to kind of put on weight. Um, I also had Crohn's and eosilophilic esophagitis. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Crohn's, I just wasn't getting the nutrition from my food and that's why I'd eat eight, 10,000 gallons a day. Okay. Um, so I was put on medication for that. One of them being prednisone. Um, about a week later, I started feeling my hair fall out, started having difficulty moving my arm. Um, I went to the hospital. They're like, you're fine. You're fine. Just keep working. <laughs> um, I went back, uh, the week later and I was like, look, I look like a T-Rex. My arm was like up like this. I couldn't move my arm. And they're like, oh, you pulled it at the gym. I'm like, I've never hurt myself at the gym, <laughs> um, in, in over a decade. Uh, they gave me an arm sling and they're like, go on your way. You're fine. It's a pull tendon. Uh, the following week, uh, this is at the start of COVID. 
Um, I went in, I was like, look, I'm having difficulty breathing with a mask on. It feels like someone's literally stabbing me. It hurts. The doctor said, look, you're just like everyone else. Go away. It's like, we're not going to give you an exemption for a mask. They're like, just, I'm like, this medicine bag I brought in. And I was like, it's literally filled with medicine. And I was like, I started this three weeks ago and now I'm not feeling well. And they said, don't care, leave. So because I work at a hospital, I went up to occupational health and I said, look, something is wrong. And she goes, no, you're turning green. I'm calling your boss. So she called my boss um, and she was like, hey, can you speak up to her? Because it was on speakerphone. I was like, I kind of stood up a bit and I was like, hey. And then I just went, that's not. And I just passed out. Uh, well, I died technically. Uh, it turned out I had blood clots in both my lungs, both my uh, my arm, my neck, uh, my forearm, blood clots hit my heart. Um, so I was luckily at a hospital working, speaking to a doctor. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I just remember waking up to, you're okay, you're okay. I'm a doctor. I've called it code blue. I being a stubborn 240-pound meathead, <laughs> I stood yeah. up. And I was like, get off of me. I'm fine. I collapsed in my head, and now I have herniated discs in my neck um, and my vertebrae and all that kind of stuff. So um, from there, I started speaking to neurologists, endocrinologists, kinesiologists, uh, hematologists, and they're like, look, you have inflammation in your brain. You need to start smoking cannabis to get the neurons fired. They're like, okay, you need to smoke cannabis or ingest cannabis for your Crohn's to bring the inflammation down. You need, so like, I'm like, okay, all these specialists are really getting into cannabis, 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 get off these medications. Um, so I started looking more into cannabis and what I can do. Um, I've had probably over 100 MRIs, CT scans, ultrasounds, um, due to everything that I'm going through. And it was side effect to medication. So the opioids, I was doing 14 opioids a day because I was in so much pain. Um, I started losing vision. I couldn't speak properly. Um, they thought I had a stroke. So the side of my face kind of droops a bit. I guess it's a weird thing, but yeah, droops a bit. Um, I have like uneven muscles now and um, just because I have no sensory. So I have, you could slap me all you want. I don't feel anything on the side of my body. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it was, That'll be a good video clip. You'll take a video? There we go. That'll be the end credit scene. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was absolutely terrifying. I was in, yeah, no uh, in the hospital and uh, uh, my hematologist was like, look, you have a 33% chance of dying and not living to 60 because of your condition. Um, and that's not even including all these other conditions. So because of um, eosinophilic esophagitis, um, I can't swallow food or even drink water some days. So I have to go for throat dilations uh, where they just expand your throat <laughs> uh, so you can actually swallow food every year. So I have to go in every six to eight months and get a throat dilation done to actually help me uh, swallow. So that's the issue with the mask. So my throat is so tight, it hurts to breathe, it hurts to swallow food, um, and so on. So I was like, okay, so I'm getting all these side effects to medication. And now I'm seeing a rheumatologist because they believe those two autoimmune disorders mixed with the medication has caused uh, psoriasis arthritis. So now I'm getting a lot of arthritic pain, a lot of like kind of like scabby things growing on my, my knees, my toes, my ankles, all because this medication. So I started going, okay, well, I'm going to look into CBD, CBG, CBD. So I, I started reaching out to people and, and inquiring about it. And it turned out this plant does everything. It helps pretty much every disease or Parkinson's or which my grandpa had Parkinson's. My, my grandparents died from cancer. My, and I'm like, I wish we had this 
and knew about it. And it wasn't such a bad stigma on it um, when my grandparents were alive. Um, and then my five-year-old son, um, which is actually stepson, got diagnosed with autism. Um, and that went even more sour than my experience with medication. Um, but for me, it was, okay, I'm going to email Health Canada. Believe it or not, one night I was uh, at home with my wife. Hi. I was mixing opioids with cannabis, with like morphine, with Tylenol, with just because I was in so much pain. I sent an email to Health Canada as a joke going, I wonder if I can open up a restaurant with food. And it came back as this is a brilliant story, brilliant idea, run with it. So I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting, right? Um, I started reaching out to MPPs, MPs, ministers, uh, the premier's office, um, AGCO, um, Restaurants Canada, Tourism Industry Association, and just so on and so on. Like I've just been reaching out to everyone and everyone's supporting it. Um, the premier's office told me, look, if you can get um, a minimum of 2,000 signatures on a handwritten petition, we'll take you serious. I said, challenge accepted. I was like, no problem. I will do this. So I traveled throughout Southern Ontario uh, during COVID when stores were closed. It was hard to, hard to manage stuff. By the way, I have Crohn's. You don't want to be on a field trip with someone with Crohn's. It's not fun. <laughs> I, I felt bad for my wife and stuff that followed me, like, came with us and, and my kids. But um, So I traveled over uh, 100 cannabis retailers in Southern Ontario. Um, I dropped off petitions. I went to events. Um, the big one was uh, uh, Ribfest here in London. I went to Ribfest. I stood outside there for five minutes. I had a sign. I had my shirt that you guys noticed. Um, I did disinfected the pens, turned around. I had a lineup of like 10 people. And I was like, oh, okay. I was hoping to get like five signatures, you know, when I was here. I ended up getting almost 500 signatures in three hours. Um, and I heard stories like there was no one well, similar to mine. I heard stories where it was, you know what? I hate this. I'll never touch it. Cannabis is a gateway drug. But my grandpa has Parkinson's and it's helped improve his quality of life. Where can I sign? And it was stuff like that, right? So I was like, okay, okay. Um, I had people that said they had arthritis, that they're against cannabis, but they would be up to trying it, eating it. They don't want to smoke it. They don't want to do those. Uh, the Sorry, I did to have your real quick, sorry. No worries. They don't, they don't want to do the tinctures. They don't want that stuff. But they're like, if we could eat our favorite cheesecake or our favorite pie, they're like, we would actually do that. And I was like, okay, well, that's a whole new market that I could kind of look into, right? So uh, when I started reaching out to them, um, uh, to the ministers and all that kind of stuff, everyone's like, we love it. Um, a lot of them didn't know about cannabis. They, they're not educated about it. Um, stuff like that. They saw the benefit to creating this industry because it's going to create jobs, improve quality of life, improve tourism, improve education system, which I've even been in talk with Fanshawe College coordinators to uh, create programs uh, at Fanshawe College. Um, I have Western University um, students and a dean's approval to work with students um, to create things to actually help this industry be what it is. So I'm waiting on more meetings with uh, the, the parliamentary assistant to um, education. I'm waiting on the 22nd, I believe it is. I have a parliamentary assistant to the premier. Um, we're going to be having a, a talk. And the Health Canada uh, cannabis uh, director, I've already spoke with her. So there's a lot of moving parts on this. It's going oh. much bigger than I thought. I thought it was going to be something to do while I'm waiting for my MRIs, while I'm you know at home recovering. And it turned into a much bigger, bigger thing than I ever thought. Um, it's, it's a 
an experience I don't want to do again, or I wouldn't want to see anyone go through because it is not fun. I've had a billion needles in me, and I've have you ever taken a fragment needle? It feels like you're being stung by a bee. Um, mm. So I'd get rid of the blood clots. And um, yeah, I know that's where my story was. I wish it was as simple as uh, I'm going back to cannabis kind of, kind of thing, but it was, I almost died. Um, I was told I will not live good chance. I will not live past 60 uh, by multiple doctors. And after being told for years, I couldn't have a son. I now have a stepson uh, and I now have uh, my first child who just was born when this happened. So I was like, no, if I'm not going to live to 60, I want to leave them something and show them that you can get your butt knocked down and get straight back up and keep going, right? So for me, it was uh, motivation. Um, But then, sadly, last month, my five-year-old who was diagnosed with autism, um, I pushed for cannabis because of my experience with medication. They said, no, let's try this, let's try this. My five-year-old son um, three weeks later, after me telling him the doctors he was hallucinating, um, he was seeing dots, he was peeing the bed, like he doesn't do that. Um, it turned out that they had overdosed him a uh, 33% higher rate than the limit for a 12-year-old. Uh, my son went unconscious um, on the 20th last month. Um, we end up, sorry, still fresh. <laughs> sorry. Um, he, uh, uh, he went uh unconscious and i had to carry him out to the ambulance my wife went in up with him um he was i believe unconscious for 18 hours or so um they said his heart rate had dropped to 40 um so he was almost dead they're like if you had to let him sleep because that's what i thought happened he was at school he was tired like a five-year-old i let him sleep and i was like you know what he's sleeping too long and i went to go wake him up and he was mm-hmm. eyes rolled back um he was struggling to breathe he almost looked like like a gorilla kind of trying to struggle to breathe in the sleep. Um, so from there, I went to the hospital and then I started uh, seeing him wake up and I was like, okay, you know what? He's doing better. Um, he struggled to walk for the first couple of days, um, all because of prescribed medication. Uh, when there's clearly an alternative that has scientific proof that it works. Why are we researching more stuff when there's stuff out there that works? Um, so stuff like, you know, your CBD helping with kids with autism, um, they're not going to get high, but we have to, again, break that stigma that you're not going to get your child high <laughs> giving them CBD or CBG or whatever the, mm-hmm. the, the makeup it, it is. So uh, from there, I was like, you know what? We can't give a child weed, but you know what? My my son loves you know his, his bananas, his apple. Why can't we create something with food to give to a child, give them his medicine through food? And mm-hmm. so that's where I'm coming along with my Lay Munchies restaurant. Um, I know children will not be allowed in the restaurant. That's a given. It'll be operated just like a bar. But I am working on proposing um, food delivery service to people's houses. So people with mobility issues, um, if you you know if you do have cancer, Parkinson's, or your your grandma's in an old age home and you want to give her um, you know cannabis or something, if she wants to THC, awesome. Grandma can have a good time. Because um, me working at a hospital, we're affiliated with a retirement home. So I've seen many of our grandparents having beers all day long, wine all day long, um, hiding in their air vents because they're not allowed to have it with their medicine. And I was like, you live a good life, enjoy it, right? Enjoy your retirement. Um, And a lot of them do smoke cannabis, believe it or not. A lot of them were out there smoking cannabis. And uh, I was like, well, why can't we give them, you know, a brownie or something that they used to love growing up? Um, So I'm working on that right now. That's why I have a meeting coming up with the director um, for Health Canada, uh, for cannabis, 
and I want to be able to get this approved. <laughs> Sorry, uh, phone call coming in. <laughs> the, um, I want to get this approved so we can actually improve people's quality of life. And yeah. I don't want to ever hear or see another story of someone's child almost dying because of something like this. Um, right. Myself, I die, whatever, but a child, no, that's, that's, we mm-hmm. need to change this. We need to start educating people um, and actually bring in um, um, ministers to actually support it. So, as it's a, heard, sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying we've heard uh, through a lot of interviews, uh, Crohn's has come up multiple times that, that cannabis is being used for Crohn's. Um, I've even heard the connections with uh, what you're talking about with CBD with autism. Um, one one thing that you said earlier on, and it doesn't seem as big of an issue as some of the others, even when we talk about cancers and stuff like that, um, but is uh, is actually pretty rampant is the low testosterone testosterone that you mentioned as well. So I've heard it kind of connect with these other ones, but low tetos- testosterone is actually it's actually a big, it, it is a big problem and a major, and a major health concern that doesn't get nearly talked about enough. Yeah. Um, they just advertise the little blue pill. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what is, what is where, where is cannabis with low testosterone? Where does, I can't say testosterone. For the no, it's okay. I, I, I struggled with mental health for a while. Um, I was very suicidal. I did a lot of bad things, attempts, stuff like that. Um, before I found out that's what it was, I was like, I'd watch family guy and I'd start crying watching family guy. I'm like, this is not right. I'm the, <laughs> you know, the big bouncer guy. I'm whatever. And I'm crying, watching family guy for a stupid reason. I'm like, something's wrong. Um, and then it turned out that's what it was. I don't, I was producing enough, uh, testosterone to be a 60 year old woman. They said, uh, they said I, it was on a scale of 30. I was at two, uh, for testosterone levels. So wow. uh, now I have to do injections every week. Uh, to bring my testosterone levels up. Um, I was thinking in my head, great, I'm going to get even bigger now. It doesn't work that way. When you're not producing testosterone, it just levels you out to being normal, right? So right. Um, so it's a lot of uh, mental struggles, uh, mental health issues that I support because um, I smoked cannabis. Well, I started smoking cannabis again when this all started happening, right? So when I started having all my health issues, I was like, no, you know, I've been without cannabis for almost eight years. I'm going back into cannabis and I was back to being, you know, felt like me again. I felt like um, an actual a person, <laughs> not just a, a burden on the society. Right. So um, I had a, a couple scares with uh, like jumping and driving and alcohol and stuff like that and train tracks. And, um, and it's scary. And as a man, our ego gets ahead of us and we're too scared to ask for help. We're too scared for, you know, kind of, kind of stuff like that, which, People need to know it's it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say something's wrong. What is it? And for me, it was just testosterone. I get that testosterone needling in. I felt great. I don't take it for three weeks. I start feeling that slip again, start getting emotional again. Um, so you do notice with mental health. I haven't researched enough on that with cannabis yet. I've heard it does help. Um, I've even heard it helps with hair growth now. <laughs> I was reading last week it helps with hair growth. And I was like, weird that kind of plays with testosterone right so it's uh it's interesting but there's so much this this plant can do um we need to have more research more support more government stepping in um my biggest issue was when i reached out to like arthritis society and cancer society and all these like organizations it was we would love to support it 
We know it works. We, we have patients that use it, but we'll get our funding cut by big, big pharma if we start stepping into this, right? So I was like, there, there's something we have to do. So that's why I started this petition. I have a federal petition I'm working on right now. I have a meeting coming up with a MP to see if he wants to be the supporting MP for it. Uh, for the federal changes for the health regula- uh, regulation. So I still struggle with some words too. <laughs> uh, regulatory system. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that I'm doing. And that's just a, a small pie of that rabbit hole you're talking about. I'm even uh, trying to get Indigenous support. So I'm out there supporting. I actually got Oneida cannabis shirt on right now. But uh, um, I went out there and started speaking to Indigenous people. Because when I spoke to the House of Commons, they said there's only one other person out there petitioning for what you are. And it's Indigenous people. So out of respect, I drove out there. I spoke to them. I spoke to business owners. I spoke to uh, chiefs. I spoke to uh, NDP leader, um, who's also a chief um, in Ontario, uh, they're like, no one's ever cared about us to come and say, what do you want? Do you mind if I do this? And I was like, well, it's to me, it's a respect thing. So I was like, do you mind if I do this? And if I do it while I'm speaking, do you want me to fight for anything? And they said the same thing. Everyone I talked to, it was, we want water, roads, rehabilitation centers, um, you know, housing. And I was like, okay, I'll start fighting for that. Um, so when I started doing that, ministers didn't want to talk too much because I'm not indigenous. They don't want to listen to me. So I was like, okay, well, what if I create a business with an indigenous person and would that work? So I'm working on that now. I want to create a indigenous first nation business for hemp products. I want to get out to someone like me. I, I, you know, protein cups, water bottles, let's start making them out of hemp again or clothing. Let's make it out of hemp again. Um, There's so many things that hemp can do that would bring enough funding into the indigenous first nations uh communities that they could afford to do that stuff so i've already had a meeting with uh an indigenous uh member of parliament uh they said if i do make this happen they're going to try to get us funding to even support it so there is something out there that can be done um it just baby steps are in the work and i juggling a lot in this little tiny rabbit hole (laughs) so it's so crazy that uh you know like you know, you get you get one you get one personal health scare, and that leads to you know what seems to be on the surface. You know, uh, here's Jeremy Smith; he's opening up Lay Munchies, right? And now, and then you explain the whole story. Just like, wow, that that personal health scare and seeing how cannabis helps with that is now. I mean, it's not just a restaurant; it's a whole opening up um, and educating on the overall wellness of cannabis, which has led you into meeting in front of the House of Commons and, and like, like talking to MPs about bigger changes. With like, it's just, it's, it's crazy how one person's personal health scare can lead to such well, I, I feel, a scope of things. I feel like, yeah, that would, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like sitting here silent. My tears have finally dropped. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Of your, <laughs> your steps. And, and I, I understand that the research, I'm going to try to do this without crying. I yeah. understand that the research is not where it should be. And we're, we need to protect the growth and development of our young children and their brains. Um, but just like when legalization, like pre-legalization, when they made the medical system, the list of ailments for allowable medical cannabis licenses was very small. Cancer, glaucoma, that was it. Yeah. We know today that 
cannabis helps way more than just those two things. So all I'm asking is, as I'm sitting here wearing my cannabis is safer than pharma. That's perfect. (laughs) Is that when you have a child that might need a little bit extra with like pharmaceuticals, can we not please just explore the option of cannabis? Like, Jeremy's saying in the form of non-psychoactive CBD, CBN, CBG, and have an alternative. And you know what? Just like they they put your you or your children on this medication and say, here, try this. Why can't we be allowed as parents to make that decision yeah. for our children? Yeah. That's where I'm like, I feel like Jeremy's his personal experience, and then now your son's personal experience has now led you to, you know what? Yes, the restaurant is the first step, but I can see you taking this further, like you're saying, to to expand to maybe not just home, but have a family restaurant where it is up to the parent if they want to have that child's dinner infused or non-infused with with infused gravy or non-infused gravy. Like, I think if you can give a 16-year-old a drink at a restaurant... their parent there like if i can take my son to a bar and he can have a beer that's my choice but he can't have a salad with a little bit of uh thc or cbd in his vinaigrette like i know they definitely won't allow it they won't even they're like they've said over years yeah years years but it's a baby step forward i even said so when this first started, I was like, can I do this? No. Okay. Can I do this? No. Okay. So we kind of compromised onto where I'm at today. Um, that it, it's very complicated because I'm mm. trying to mix in with ministers and attorney general's office with, so everyone's opinions, I'm trying to go, okay, this is the step. My biggest thing is if we do this incorrectly, it's not going to happen for another 10 years. Like it's right. we have to yeah. do it properly. We have to do it safely. Um, especially someone who ran managed a bar, I've had to give CPR to people. I've had to, you know, put people in ambulances. I've cut people, or sorry, not myself, but I've seen people cut off from alcohol, and then their boyfriends or girlfriends would go up and sneak them more alcohol, and then they had alcohol poisoning. And uh, you know, I've had to crawl underneath stalls and pull people's heads out of toilets because they passed out puking, and it's just, it's, it's insane. Like most people don't know what's out there because they're so having a good time, <laughs> they don't realize what happens. I, I'm literally taking or I've took women out of men's hands trying to get them in caps because they come at 10 minutes to close and they wait to see which one's the drunkest woman and go, Oh, get in the cab with me. And I run out and grab them from cabs. Um, it is disgusting what happens, but I want to make sure with this system. And I want to say the most common question I get is how are they going to get home? How are they going to drive? Same thing as you do in a bar, take an Uber, take a cab, take a, you know, bus walk, whatever you got to do. Right. Be an adult. <laughs> Be an adult. Um, but it's there's a lot of a lot of puzzles to this piece, and I'm trying to do it properly. Um, I'm actually looking at uh, collaborating uh, with someone who's I don't know if I should say the name or not, but they're out in Alberta area. <laughs> um, so we're having a meeting next week, and we're going to see if we can collaborate together. Um, because right now I have the attorney general waiting, uh, an MPP waiting, and two ministers waiting for documents to be sent, and I don't want to mess them up. So I'm looking at uh, getting funding. I have a couple of meetings this week for funding um, uh, from pretty big companies funding this um, to pay this company to do all the proper paperwork to actually submit everything. Because uh, for myself, I haven't worked in two years. 
Uh, pretty much just been doing this. My wife had to get a job. Uh, bless her. She's been busting her butt trying to help us out. I went from making really good money to not making any money. And the worst part was that I was denied disability. So I was like, how am I denied disability when I have seven conditions that are debilitating? And I've sent them over 3,000 documents to prove from specialists, doctors, doctor's notes. They literally told me, the insurance company said, doctors are only people with opinions. We don't have to listen to them. I was like, pardon me. I'm like, did you not? I was like, Google Jeremy Smith Cannabis. I'm all over like Global News, London Free Press, Legally Magazine, Ounce Magazine. I was like, it's not a fake story. I literally almost died. <laughs> and uh, I haven't gone to the paper about my son because he is a kid. So I don't want to know. But uh, yeah, after seeing him with like oxygen tubes in his nose and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, no, this it needs to change. So I, if I have to collaborate with people to make it happen faster. And right now is perfect. Because it's been three years and they're starting to look at everything right now. So it's a perfect time for me to propose this. Because if while I'm proposing it, I'm also proposing um, music industry. So we can have Ribfest. I've already spoke to the owner of Ribfest. Amazing guy. Love him and his wife. Like, absolutely amazing. We want to do cannabis-infused Ribfest. So we can actually get out here and have music festivals. I've already been speaking with DJs that have DJed for uh, Snoop Dogg and, and, you know, um, uh, people for like marshmallow i spoke to their people and i'm like if we do this will you be on board like let's get people going right let's make this huge um so not only is it going to open up a restaurant it's going to open up the lounges the um the the music events the festivals so it's just going to create more jobs more work it's going to bring more tourism in so if you come to london you're going to come to london for an event you're not just going to go to an event and leave you're going to eat food you're going to pay for parking you're going to maybe get a hotel so like it's a it's a big picture that I have to paint because when I've been, when I proposed to ministers and they're like, everyone else just comes on board and they're like, we just want to have weed for food, man. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> like, why? Like, that's literally how they acted right. when I proposed it. And uh, I was like, no, you need to paint the whole picture. The Mona Lisa wasn't painted with a, with a, you know, a pencil crayon. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of colors, a lot of, a lot of moving parts to make this work. Um, so that's where I'm at now. I'm in the middle of finding, people to uh fund this um i've asked for zero dollars this whole time um for me it's more of a i just want to see my restaurant open i want to be able to see you know kids laughing and and uh you know families happy with this i want to see grandparents out there laughing and i've had people come up to me you know at at the gym and in the park at the grocery store and be like you're the guy you're the guy i saw you in you know the paper and my wife's like oh here we go again i just want to get apples and (laughs) go home right and uh it's pretty cool but at the same time i'm like it's getting out there and the amount of people that have came up to me and i've talked to for you know 45 minutes an hour just randomly because they're like my story is this. I had this. I'm like, this is what I want. I want people talking. I want people actually getting out there and, you know, supporting this, making a difference. So, so you described it as like everything that's happening. You're painting this Mona Lisa, um, who, uh, famously is, uh, yeah, lots of color, lots, lots of greatness went into it, but missing eyebrows. Um, what is, what is, she doesn't have eyebrows. Yeah. Google. Um, what is what do you feel is the the missing piece right now? What is what is a piece that needs to fall to really start getting this to take get momentum? What is the, what is the eyebrows that aren't quite there yet? The eyebrows I need are literally the paperwork. 
So that's all I'm okay. waiting for. So that that's it. So I like I said, I've had ministers, MVPs, attorney general, all mm-hmm. waiting for this. So I literally just need documentations, which the person I'm having a meeting with, um, that's from Alberta, already has most of this. Uh, they've okay. already done legislative sides and stuff like that. Um, I stayed out of the newspaper for a while because I had people saying that they were working with me, that they spoke with me. Uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I've never spoke to you in my life. I don't know. You're going to wreck this. I'm like, you're literally going to wreck this. Like, just zip it and just wait. And uh, um, I've had other people, um, uh, I want to say from Alberta, reach out, BC, uh, the U.S., actually someone in the U.S., um, um, Cannabis Solutions. Um, Daryl Frey, I believe his last name is. Um, sorry if I messed up your name. <laughs> uh, but he sent me stuff after... Uh, seeing me in the paper, he sent me CBD oils. He sent me uh, CBG stuff, and he's like, "Give this to your son. Give it to your son." Um, and, and for myself as well, um, love it. He gave me oils. He gave me tinctures. He gave me water soluble products um, and stuff like that. I'm like, it's just to me from going from a bar industry to cannabis, it's more of a family. It's more of a you know, you're out here supporting your, yourself as cannabis people. Uh, bar industry is like no don't go to that bar they suck they're you know they're cheap or whatever it was always you're putting each other down um i like cannabis way better everyone's happy everyone's supporting um like i got, say i got to meet montel williams which you know blew my mind that i got to meet him but he was such a nice guy to talk to uh his crew was amazing as well um but yeah it was uh completely different lifestyle because i had literally just applied for um corrections and i applied for border patrol about a month before all this happened. So I went from someone literally going into policing aspects, security, all that yeah. kind of stuff to cannabis. <laughs> so I have a lot of people in my family that go, okay, we see it now. We see the benefit of it. Um, and I love it. I love seeing the people that would never have touched it are now contemplating it. Uh, even my mother-in-law, I gave her CBD cream for her, her arthritis and stuff. I went over yesterday and she's putting, I'm like, yes, there we go. Like use it. Right. Like that's, that's what I love to see is people who know and normally do it, do it. Um, so it's, it's, we're moving forward. It just, it takes more of this. So. For sure. Well, I'm pretty sure if you tell people you've talked to the newbie and the doobie, you'll pretty much be green lit on anything. Yeah. Green. Oh, I green. cannot lie. I was following a podcast uh, last week and I messaged them in the chat of the podcast and uh, they're like, oh, my God, you're from Canada. You need to contact me and the doobie. They're like, they're amazing up in Canada. <laughs> actually, I'm on their, their show next week. So it was, it was pretty That's fun. Awesome. Yeah, so they, they know about you. I'm watching the States, too. So it's, it's amazing. I love it. That's phenomenon. I love wonder it. if that would be friends at Wake and Bake America. Wake and Bake America? Hey, that'd be a good one. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I wish I uh, – I was actually supposed to be a, a spokesperson for Lifco, like I was going to go out there and be a speaker, not spokesperson, oh, yeah. a speaker. Um, and then I talked to my lawyer and he's like, you've signed so many NDAs. He's like, do not do it. He's like, you're going to say something wrong. He's like, you're going to be screwed. He's like, so I had a messenger and I'd be like, sorry, I have to back out. Like my lawyer said, no, uh, it sucked. Cause when I went to Lifco, I was talking about like, Oh, this will be a great next step. This will be I'm like in the, in the crowd, just like, can I, can, can I just walk up there? Can I please, <laughs> but I, I couldn't do it. Right. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it is happening. We are moving forward. Um, if you don't like it for recreational, then medicinal is an op- offer or option, sorry. And you can not take the THC and just you know use it for medicine. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be, you know, have a good Friday night, then yeah, come eat a burger, a poutine, a, you know, a, a regular meal, uh, your chicken wings and so on. 
Um, and just have a good Friday night. Go to the movies yeah. after or whatever. <laughs> imagine imagine how, how crazy that is to trust the judgment of adults to make responsible choices. Yeah. <laughs> what is the what? Yeah. what is how how is that even possible? See, I I just want to thank you, Jeremy, because you know, I live in a world where there are cannabis consumption lounges through like, you know, you can purchase at a bar um a cannabis beverage instead yes. of an alcoholic beverage. Hmm. I would like to live in a world where I can go to um, Home Depot and go into the garden center and get a cannabis cutting or mm. clone. Yeah. Um, I want to go to Bath and Body Works and buy a lotion that has CBD or THC in it. Mm. So restaurants are just like, this is to me, is it just makes sense to be able to go, like you're saying, Ribfest. Yeah. How awesome would it be? It, even just normal Ribfest, but Not have really like yet. a green truck covered in like big pot leaves and you know that you go over there you're getting some infused food like yeah. i could see the crowd around the truck like um, and, and i gotta say uh, i don't say too much about it but like the owner does support cannabis so when i was outside i called the police first and i was like i'm gonna go out there with the sign i'm going out there with a the shirt can i do it the police are like go ahead i'm like yes so i went outside stood outside the gates and like, I want to say within five minutes, some security came up to me and they're like, the owner wants to talk to you. I'm like, I've already called the police. Like, you're not going to kick me off. I've already, he goes, no, I want you in here. He's like, I use cannabis for my condition. He goes, get your butt in there. He walked me around and he was like, um, this is Jeremy. Like, whatever you want, let him in, let him, but don't care. And it was amazing. Like, like I said, people coming up to me in wheelchairs being like, I would do, I would actually enjoy cannabis this way. Um, and even someone with Parkinson's came up and was, signing my my form and she's like i'm sorry i'm like don't be sorry i'm like this is why i'm doing it like i want to you know help you guys um so for me that experience was when i was like okay this is a wake-up call this is bigger than just london ontario it's time mm -hmm. to go provincial and make it make changes make it make it happen mm -hmm. it's huge you got you got all your signature signatures i'm guessing Oh, if you give me two seconds, I could run and grab them. I have a stack about this big. I think I was going to say, because, you know, if you need more, we'll just put out another call to action and we'll just get yep. you more. Well, the federal one is going to be a lot easier. So provincially, we have to do handwritten signatures. They don't allow e-petitions for provincial. Okay. So I actually had to go out and go, hi, I'm Jeremy. This is my story or whatever, and get the signatures and, and so on. And obviously, I had over 100 cannabis retailers helping as well. Um, that was amazing to see the support, the support from cannabis mm -hmm. retailers. I had a couple change their mind after they saw me in the paper going, Oh, your competition now pulled my, pulled my, right. I had a couple, uh, go, Oh, we didn't think it was serious until we saw you on, you know, global news or something like that. And then they're like, oh, okay, now we wish, can we have more? I'm like, oh, okay, here's more. Um, <laughs> even sign, after, yeah, sign, signing a petition. Yeah. Um, to show your support yeah. um, because you think it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny. It's like, it's, it's another example of that virtue signaling. It's just like, I'm going to sign this because it looks good. And it's like, oh, wait, oh, yeah. oh, you were serious? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> never mind. I'll take it back. That's so funny. But I even had uh, one, one of the uh, MPPs I spoke to uh, before I even got my petition started. I reached out to lawyers and MPPs and, and um, House of Commons. And I was like, what do I do? Like, where do I start? How do I do it? Um, the very first MPP I spoke to wanted me to monopolize it. They're like, why are you going to go do all this work if someone else can just open, you know, an Italian one or, a, you know, Italian bakery or something like that? I'm like, 
I don't want to monopolize it. I'm like, look at Harvey's, Wendy's, McDonald's. There's healthy competition. Nothing wrong with it. So I got rid of that MPP. (laughs) And now I have over, uh, what, 13 MPPs right now willing to take my petition to the House of Commons and collectively stand up for this. Um, I have uh, the Premier's office ready to take my my petition and actually look at it. Um, But I I actually posted a picture on my Instagram. It's like a a stack, like a big stack of thousands and thousands of signatures I have. Um, well, you're going, I mean, you're doing the, like a lot, so many people in our world at various levels, they, they, they go, um, I don't, you know, there's too much red tape or, um, there's too many hurdles. Yeah. And so what they do is they just try to circumvent them. And like you're saying, like, you know, you could have, there'd be a lot of people who would have just marched in with your sign and your shirt. Um, with but you called the cops first. Yeah. You did the due diligence, and there's so many people who just want to like kind of just circumvent it and go in and do it because it's just like these I don't know, these red tape stuff. But when you do it like you're doing, and say it's not it's not trying to you know find a way to get around the rules. It's like these are the rules. So if I go through the rules, like you're saying, if you pull this off and you you go get all the documents that they need, and this goes through you you know you get in the door as opposed to going underneath it all opening it up and then it gets shut down and then it's this big storm of like oh you're like like painting a picture i can literally see that's right you know the lasers in the movies have the lasers oh yeah i can see red tape and i'm the kind of person that i'll be like no (laughs) how do i get around and find out who shuts off the lasers what is this tape here for yeah. what does this mean well, how, how do we, do we turn it off and how do we get it yeah what are we doing yeah. here let's eliminate this well i know so, it, it comes in a big factor from like going into policing and policing and learning learning about you know how the system works and yeah. all that kind of stuff um and then when everyone in my family's you know into policing um uh, and i was just a bar manager bar security security manager i got teased all the time so i was like if i'm doing this i have to do it right or i'm never going to hear the end of it so <laughs> I was like, like I, gotta, I gotta do this properly. <laughs> it's yeah. like when you see those movies where like, you know, the guy, you know, the guy runs and he like, he scales a wall and he's jumping over everything and through everything. And then his buddy opens the door and walks in and, you know, he didn't, <laughs> that he didn't was, go, that's my boy. Right? He's like, you did you jump? There's <laughs> yeah. a door here. <laughs> like a door right here. And it's like the same thing. You know, you think of the laser picture of somebody who's like, like, have you ever seen like uh, one of the oceans movie with uh, forget the, it was um, Lamar. No, yeah. the uh, the French, right? And he's like, he's training to dance around these lasers. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, the oceans team just goes, I don't. Why don't we figure out a way to get it before having to go through the lasers? <laughs> it's not like why go. Let's not. Let's, why, why? let's, just, let's find out how to just avoid the lasers. And you find out you avoid the lasers in your way, as opposed to try, trying to get around the red tape and try to like figure out how to avoid it all. Just go in. And figure out how to either get the lasers shut off, yeah. or um, you know find another way to do it. But you don't have to do all the dancing that happens. Just go through. And some people would call what you're doing dancing. I yeah. guess it's all perspective, right? <laughs> but the final product is going to be. I mean, you know, freedom for us. To you're you're going to get it done right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I've spoke to uh, AGCO, and they're like, "Well, what are you going to do with this? How are you going to do that? Like, how are we going to make it work that we're not going to overserve people, underserve people?" So I've been working with Western University students and we've developed a machine that actually microdoses properly. So if you go in there and say, I want mm. 0.5 milligrams of this, you know, five milligrams of CBDs, CBGs, THC, it goes into the machine, puts into the sauces, then we can cook with the sauce. 
Um, other than now, right now they're just using those little turkey basers. You know, you know, you know maybe it's you know 0.5, but one if you're you know 1.2 or one, you know, not exact measurements. Yeah. This way it eliminates the human error. So we, I developed that, and they're like, "Wow, you literally have looked at That's every cool. angle." I'm like, "You have to. You have to look at how we can do this and make sure uh, it's done properly. Otherwise, it's it's just not going to work." And I've seen, mm-hmm. I've had so many lawsuits, not against me, thank God, uh, working in a bar industry that people will try to sue for the dumbest little things. Um, And we have to make sure we cover our butts there or no insurance company will even insure us. So it's like, okay, we have to have all these things in place to actually um, cover more than just our butts and make sure people have a good time. I would love to see that machine. Good for you, man. Yeah. Action. That, uh, I feel like that's like a whole, I I like science. Like I like all that that little Oh, the nitty-gritty stuff, oh, you know? The, 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 what do they call that? The Petri dish? And the- well, and we've talked a lot about, like, I, I don't consume cannabis right now, but but I'm open to, you know, the infusing process and putting, you know, CBD in, my, in the breakfast meal that I have now or in some other way. And one of the things that we've often talked about is the sometime inexact science, like you're saying, you know, you bake a cake, but you don't necessarily know if every piece of that cake is equally dosed yeah right just well, sometimes because it's there's a little you know bit more butter in one side of your yeah. cake. <laughs> right? so what you're talking about is, is especially for someone like myself who has although come into this space and as i'm learning have moved into a side of advocacy and seeing the benefits of it and coming to a place where i see that there's a very po- real possibility that it could benefit me but i'm also very skeptical and i don't want the high and so it's like, I want to make sure if we find out a, a dose amount that works for me, yeah. I want to be comfortable that that is a, I don't want to be surprised, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, in one thing. So I just think what, what, what you're working on right now is it's, what's cool to me is that it starts off from this, I'm doing this restaurant, but when you step back and look at the bigger picture, um, it's, uh, it's it's so vast in terms of the impact this has on the entri- entire um, industry and the perception of of cannabis and and the scope of what the plant can can do in our world. So it's pretty cool. Uh, thank you for sharing your story today. Where where can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, I would say Instagram right now and uh, LinkedIn. So Instagram at uh, Munchies Merch five one nine. Or just Google Jeremy Smith Cannabis. I, you'll find me on LinkedIn, news articles. Uh, add me on LinkedIn. Message me. I'm, I pretty much answer everyone. So um, don't don't hesitate to reach out. That's awesome that you can get to a place where it's just just Jeremy Smith Cannabis. Just, just seriously, Google put me. those three words yeah. in, and you'll find me. Um, for everybody watching and listening, uh, Jeremy's information will be uh, linked below in our description boxes, both audio and video. Um, if you want to reach out and connect and, and maybe even, uh, to support the process as opposed to just waiting for the final product to come out. Uh, Jeremy, thanks again for joining us today, for sharing your story. Um, MJ, any final words? Nope. Not today. Not just today. Like always. Jeremy, nope. any final words? Um, I say let's support some changes and let's get our munches on. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Thanks so much again for joining us, everybody. uh, Connect with Jeremy Smith online uh, however you can. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.